Well, looks like you've made it to the Chaldean Priest Show. I'm your host, as always, Father Daniel, Chaldean Catholic Priest. I upload every Monday. Please don't forget to rate this podcast, leave a comment if you'd like, and listen to the show. All right, let's get started. our ninth annual Chaldean American Festival here in San Diego, and uh, it was two days, so it was on Saturday and Sunday, and I got to tell you, it was probably one of the biggest Chaldean festivals we've done. I mean, it was massive. It was crowded. There were so many people there, everyone having a good time, going on rides, eating good food. It was really nice. It was nice to see the community get together. But it also did make me feel pretty old, I'm not going to lie, because I saw some of my old First Communion students who are now getting close to graduating high school, believe it or not, and it's nice to see them grow. But there's always that question in the back of your head, like, how was I as a First Communion teacher? You know, what are the fruits that I gave these students? If you're a First Communion teacher, or if you've ever been one, or leadership of any kind in the church, you know exactly what I mean. Um, because, you know, you would see some of your old students maybe going down the wrong path or some growing virtuously. So it all depends. We leave it up to God at the end of the day. But something funny did happen when I was there. So like I said, there were a bunch of rides at the Chaldean Festival, and one of them was a ride that probably around 20 or 25 people go on, and it just spins continuously very fast and uh, sort of starts elevating and it starts going horizontal and vertical and back and forth and just keeps spinning and spinning and these kids were having the time of their lives you know so be it their kids but I was with one of my priest friends that I serve with here in San Diego Father Simon you guys probably know him from TikTok he's our TikTok priest and he conned me into going on it you know, he had to do some big convincing for me to go on there, and I got bullied on it. I'm not going to lie, guys. He bullied me on that ride, and this is what ended up happening. So there's this long line to this ride, and we go to the front, and look, I didn't like doing this. I never liked doing this, but it just happened. You know, we cut the front of the line, guys. I'm sorry. If you're one of the kids that were there, I'm sorry. It was half my fault. I blame the other half on the other priest. But in any case, so that first set of kids, that uh, session finishes, they all get off, and we're waiting to go on. And uh, the last person gets off, and we start to go on. And the person that was uh, managing the ride um, looked at us and said, you know, where's your wristband? And Father Simon decided to tell him, oh, you know, we're priests, this is sort of uh, our function, and, you know, just kind of like one of those, (laughs) you know, I don't know how, how much better I could explain it, but the guy looked at us, you know, very casually and said, oh, that basically doesn't matter to me, you know, because I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, and we just awkwardly walked right past him and uh, went on the ride. And I was thinking in my head, I said, you know, make anyone else mad that's at the festival. Don't make the guy mad who's going to be in charge of this crazy ride that spins continuously. And 
I'm already sick just standing there and the ride hasn't even started yet. But the ride is basically you go behind this chain. It's a big circle and you stay standing. You hold on to uh, two bars that are in front of you and your back and head are uh, against the, uh, the metal behind you. So I looked at Father Simon before the ride took off and I said, you know, why do you have to do that right now? Okay, this guy's mad. He's the one manning this ride and, you know, we'll see what happens. So the ride starts, okay? And I kid you not, I kid you not. So I was looking at that ride. Remember, it was there for two days and I don't remember it taking as long as it did when I was there. I have this conspiracy that the guy doubled the time and I don't know what happened, but I would definitely not recommend anyone going on any ride that spins continuously like that. I mean, at least on a roller coaster, there's some thrill, there's some loops, you're going straight, you're going down. This is just spinning, you know. So that's what happened. And I mean, the kids got a kick out of it. The kids are there with us. So I guess that's the bright side of the story. Okay, more importantly, confession. That is our topic for today. I try to make the transition as smooth as possible, but how do you do that, right? So there's a monk. His name is Afrahat. And he lived from 270 to 345 AD. And I want to read something he wrote in one of his homilies called The Exhortations to Penitents and Teachers of Religion. So he says this, And to you also, O doctors, O disciples of our victorious doctor, I say that it is right for you not to withhold healing from anyone who needs to be healed. Give the medicine of repentance to whomever shows you his wound, and advise whoever is ashamed to show his wound, lest he hide it from you. And do not spread what he reveals to you, lest the victorious be thought to be conquered by haters and enemies. Okay, so this man is an ancient Mesopotamian teacher who's showing a really clear understanding of individual confession. So he talks about whoever shows you his wound, right? He's using that in the singular. And he even talks about the seal of confession, how it should be kept by the doctors, the priests of the church, um, and these priests are responsible for healing. He says, do not spread what he reveals to you. So a few things. Confession. So there's two types of people. There are people that don't go to confession, and there are people that do go to confession. And I think this podcast episode will help both parties. If you do go to confession, or if you don't go to confession. And the reason why I say this is because when we see confession in the scope that Christ wants us to see it in, it makes our confession that much more fruitful, or if you're on the aisle of not going to confession, it will help you understand why the sacrament of confession is so important. Because even people that go to confession on a regular basis can sort of miss the theology behind confession. It could become something so routine, it's like brushing your teeth, that you don't even think about it, right? What happens is you might fall into sin, your conscience really gets to you, and uh, you go to confession, and it can become a routine. So Afrahat is 
directly addressing the priests and to you also, O doctor. So he's specifically talking to the priests, saying what you should do, how you should, you should hear confessions, and what the proper uh, protocol and ethics there are behind uh, hearing confessions. But what he's doing here is you can see there's a lot of uh, terminology that sort of just points your mind towards uh, something that's medical, right? He's calling the priest doctors. He's talking about the victorious doctor, which is Christ. He's talking about medicine, the medicine of repentance and healing, so on and so forth. And these words should indicate something to us that there is something that Afrahad was thinking of when he was composing this homily and when he was teaching these priests on what to do with confession. And understanding the author and what he was thinking will help us understand why he wrote this. It's just like scripture, right? The more you know the author, the more you know the historicity, the more you're able to sort of unravel what's going on, exegete the text, and get a full understanding of what's going on in front of you. For example, if you're reading the Gospel of Luke, for example, and you don't know that Luke was a physician, and you don't know that Luke was not one of the 12 that was with Christ, then things are, you won't be able to connect, let's just say that, you won't be able to connect a lot of things that someone else would uh, who understands who Luke was, who the author was. So in the early 340s, Afrahad witnessed something. So he started to see the persecution of church leaders, and this was mainly by the Sassanian king Shapur II, and this was a consequence between, so there was a war that broke out between uh, the Roman Empire, whose rulers had uh, newly become Christian, and the church was um, in a big mess at that time. So this is something that Afrahat was witnessing, and for him to talk about, uh, and I'm sure he saw a lot of uh, killing in front of him and a lot of bloodshed in front of him. And for him to write what he wrote in this homily, I think says a lot about what he wants us to understand, the way he wants us to see confession. Because he's obviously using medical terminology in this homily. But he's not using it towards calling for peace or calling for the end of persecution or what have you. No, he's talking about confession. And guys, if Afrahat's main priority during a big time of persecution of the church is confession, then this should be completely alarming to all of us. Because Afrahat sees the consequence of sin. And he wants someone to approach confession in the right manner so that they may receive the graces that God gives them. And with that comes the understanding that we really are wounded in a much worse way than any physical wound. The wound of the soul is very detrimental to the person. And the gravity of sin should be something that allows us to understand that when I sin, I'm damaging myself and I'm hurting myself 
in which I need to run to a doctor, to a physician. And in the context of confession, that physician is Christ through the priest. So the Catechism says in paragraph uh, 1432, The human heart is heavy and hardened. God must give man a new heart. Conversion is first of all a work of the grace of God who makes our hearts return to him. Then it goes on to say, God gives us a strength to begin anew. It is in discovering the greatness of God's love that our heart is shaken by the horror and weight of sin and begins to fear offending God by sin and being separated from him. So the result of sin is a hardened heart. And this could be seen parallel with the worship of the golden calf. And what happens with that? So after Moses receives the tablet of the Ten Commandments, and he sees then the Israelites worshiping the golden calf and false gods, Moses takes a tablet and breaks it, showing that the commandments were written on this tablet, on this stone tablet, which represents the hardened hearts of the Israelites. And the breaking of that tablet shows that they broke this covenant with them and God. They broke the law. And for them, sin was worth breaking the law and separating from God. So the same thing happens to us when we have a hardened heart. God is calling us to follow the law by writing it on our hearts and making our hearts, as we see in Ezekiel, turning our hearts from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And the issue with Israel is they kept on turning to false gods. And sometimes we could see ourselves in that same dilemma where we're constantly falling into a repetitive sin, something that's habitual, and maybe get discouraged from going to confession if you know the priest or you're just so sick of the sin that you think it's not worth it anymore or you're too ashamed. But Afrahat, he has a response to that. He says that a priest should advise whoever is ashamed to show his wound lest he hide it from you. So Afrahat wants a complete examination that someone should completely examine, examine their hearts and their conscience with any sins they might have committed and encourages the priest to encourage the penitent to pour everything out to Christ. So he's showing here the theology behind confession. You giving your entire self to Christ in that confessional, having a contrite heart and being open to conversion because that's one of the hardest things for people who have habitual sin. Because of our broken nature, we like sin, and it's hard for us to be detached from any habitual sin. But being okay with not having that sin is the first step of conversion in which God's grace begins working in someone's life. Now, I want to flip to something in the Chaldean liturgy. So there's a liturgical hymn uh, that's said in the beginning of the absolution rite, in the Hodra. And it says this, 
Our Lord has given the medicine of repentance to the skilled physicians, who are the priests of the church. So let anyone whom Satan has struck with the disease the diseases of wickedness, come and show his wounds to the disciples of the wise physician, and they will heal him with spiritual medicine. So now we see the author of this Chaldean liturgical hymn. Now he's speaking to the penitent, and it seems like there's some influence uh, from Afrahat in this hymn. When we also see this uh, medical terminology being used. So, talking about the skilled physicians and the medicine. Now, what does he say to the penitent? Anyone whom Satan has struck with the diseases of wickedness to show their wounds. So, look, guys, confession can be something that's intimidating, confession can be something that could seem repetitive. It could be something that maybe could seem like the opposite, where we could go to to have peace of mind, more relaxation. Maybe you leave the confession feeling like you're on top of the world, like you're flying with the angels, the cherubim and the seraphim. But no matter how you feel after a confession or before a confession, understanding that if you have committed a mortal sin, the church defines a mortal sin as something that is grave, something that is voluntary, and something that you have full knowledge of doing. So if you've done something, committed a sin, that fits under this criterion, then you're in need of confession. But I want to encourage everyone that's listening that confession was given to us as a gift, right? It was given to us as a gift so that we can present our sins and receive healing from our doctor. And if we don't take confession as seriously as, I don't know, someone falling from a ride that goes in circles intensely and doesn't stop, and if you didn't catch that, I was referring to the ride from the Chaldean festival that I was talking about in the beginning. But if you end up falling, let's say you fall, you you know, there's a freak accident, you fall, and you land on your leg, and your bone is sticking out of your leg, and what happens? Everyone starts calling uh, 911, the medics come, put you on a gurney, uh, rush you to the hospital, and you start to undergo surgery. If the seriousness of sin is not taken as seriously as physical harm, then there's some piece that we're missing, that we're not totally understanding. And let me help you see confession in a better light. Examine your conscience. You could find an examination of conscience online. You could simply Google USCCB. They have a pretty uh, thorough and solid examination of conscience for young adults or adults or, um, and children as well, actually. Um, examine your conscience. Go to confession. And plan on never sinning again. So your mindset should be that extreme, that I'm never going to sin again. Because going to confession and leaving, and not necessarily planning on sinning again, but still having an attitude of attachment, that could be harmful for a person. So having the right attitude after leaving confession and understanding that every single sin you said in that confessional, 
and any other sin you've ever committed in your lifetime was forgiven at that moment should help us know and give us an encouragement to not sin anymore. So that's my episode for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And without further ado, to the lion's den. Is plastic surgery against the Catholic Church? Is it against church teaching to have any cosmetic work done to you, whatever it may be? And so the answer is no, technically no, but the Catechism does mention in paragraph uh, 2289 that we shouldn't idolize physical perfection. So look, if there were things that we were born with that can be distracting uh, to people or could be a nuisance to our lives and um, it's not that grave of a matter, then I don't see it being um, sinful in any way. Uh, And again, it's circumstantial. So I'm just speaking in a general view. But we really shouldn't try to reach physical perfection because number one, we're never going to attain it. And number two, it can always be like an addiction. You know, it's like what they say about getting tattoos. Once you get one tattoo, you want to continue getting tattoos. So if you could avoid any cosmetic work, that's obviously on the safer side. If you need to have some cosmetic work done, you know, I would consider getting different opinions, maybe talking to a priest, looking up uh, the morality of the church and seeing what the church teaches and then uh, making that decision. But it should be something that's thoughtful and something that's uh, really necessary in your life if you need to do it. So that's my episode for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And like I say, please make sure to rate this podcast, leave me a comment, and as always, see you next time.